Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite to Queen's Claim Your Career Crown podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and today I'm joined by our VP of Operations, Amanda. Hey, everyone. Yes. And our wonderful, wonderful guest, Corby Mitleid. Hi there. <laughs> so for everyone out there, Corby is a certified psychic, certified tarot card reader, and legally ordained minister. Wow. Okay, I got through that. And she's gone through three bouts of breast cancer. Oh my goodness. Oh man. And wow, two divorces, poverty, abuse, and more. I mean, wow, uh, this is incredible. So uh, Corby is used to these experiences. She's used them so that she can frame how she lives and she encourages others to live. Um, as detailed in her latest book, Clean Out Your Life Closet. Uh, today, we're going to talk about how to write your own story of change and how replacing the old with the new can be a joyful and soul-satisfying experience. Um, Corby, we are so excited to have you here today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for asking. And so before we get right into the interview, everyone, uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, please make sure you don't miss a single episode by subscribing to Claim Your Career Crown wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're doing that, just take that extra second to click all five stars. We would certainly appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So let's get right into it, Corby, because this is really fascinating. I mean, you, you've, your resume is incredible. And then the, the pain that you've gone through. So, you know, I'd like you to, to give us some um, more, just give us some detail about how did you get on this path for the mystic path? Um, can you share oh. your journey? Oh, my God. This is what I call my 30-second elevator speech, of course. <laughs> when I was nine, I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes. But instead of thinking, ooh, that's scarier, ha, 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 I thought, and your point is, I knew there was magic in the world and I wanted to go find it. Fast forward to 1973 when I was a senior in high school. Yes, everybody, do your math. And I was working part-time at Spencer Gifts, and they had the James Bond 007 tarot deck, and I bought it. I mean, we were all hippies then. There were fringe jackets, elephant bell-bottoms, and a deck. Five years later, everybody else had moved on to roller skates and disco balls. I was still reading with the cards. I loved the stories that they told, uh, the allegories, and I would just go deep dish. I also taught myself over the next 20 years, just reading for friends, how to stay a clear channel so my ego and my story didn't get in the way of what they needed to hear. All of a sudden, in 1994, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training. That's when God basically handed me my draft notice and said, greetings, you're working for us. <laughs> so I did it part-time while I was. I have been an actress, an author, an inspirational speaker, a legal assistant, a video producer, an executive recruiter for engineering and manufacturing, and doing the psychic work on the side. 9-11, when we were watching the towers burn, I turned to my husband and I said, I need to do the work full time. People need to know there are other answers out there. And he said, I believe in you, go do it. So for one year, I still worked 70 hours a week at the executive uh, executive recruiting firm where I had a boss who threw files at my head when she didn't like what I told her oh. and doing the psychic work evenings and weekends. Once I was sure that I could absolutely make a living at it, I walked in 
figuratively peed on her desk and left, and I have never looked back. <laughs> At this point, work six days a week. I read 1,200 people a year. I'm in a best-selling series on pre-birth planning and life between lives. I've written three of my own books. Life is good. I get <laughs> to get up in the morning. I don't have to get up in the morning. That's big. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. That sounds wonderful. And I especially like your story of how you were able to um, have that support that you needed as well that someone, you know, to just go, go do it, do it, make this happen. <laughs> yes. Not everybody has that. And I know it, but the universe set it up that when I was ready to go off the springboard, I had somebody behind me who said, I believe in you, which is what it says inside my wedding ring from him anyway. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. I love that. So this yeah, kind of relates to my next Yeah. That kind of relates to my next question I had actually was you talk about writing your own story of change. How can looking at your history and past experiences be instrumental in shaping that story? You know, it's one of the reasons that most self-help books don't work. Clean Out Your Life Closet is a self-help book written in response to what's out there. I mean, we everybody we buy a self-help book, we go into Barnes and Noble, we have these sexy titles and good-looking covers, and we flip through a couple of pages, and wow, it sounds like maybe. And so we bring it home, and then we start to read it, and we realize, what do you mean I have to be vegan, vegan and do yoga every day? I can't do that. It's not me. So the book goes on the shelf. So instead, remember, even as a psychic, I can't tell you your purpose for being here. And believe me, I get that question all the time. It's because no one else has lived your life, developed your interests, walked through your challenges, or pondered your questions. No one else can know the pattern of your existence. No one else knows your dreams and fears. And it's these unique experiences that make up your reason for being here. When you see the pattern of your life, you have the bones of your story. Just like a sculptor, they want to do something. If they're going to do a bronze, they have to make that skeleton first on which to build what they're doing. So you've right. got the bones of your story and you can see how you want to create it anew. One thing I've learned in my many years of corporate life and since creating Petite to Queen is that I'm passionate about supporting people to become the very best version of themselves. Our one-on-one -on -one group and enterprise coaching programs will transform you to believe the impossible is possible. If you're dreaming big, let's make those dreams come true. Book your complimentary chat with me at petitequeen.com slash chat. No, I mean, that is so true. I, I, I found that to be in my own life of knowing and understanding what really turns my crank or fills my fulfills my purpose makes a huge difference in being able to show up every day at your very best self. And, you know, it, it's, it is, and it's part of your, you know, that core who you are. Right. And yes, I, that I just really connect with that Corby. So when someone else is looking for that, how can their personal uh, goals influence that story of change? What are you changing for? <laughs> needing to Seriously, needing to change how you view yourself at work will be completely different from re-engineering a marriage, 
or reinventing yourself after a major illness or an injury. I mean, I did the cancer dance three times. Now, notice I don't say I fought cancer because what you fight fights back. And I don't say that I'm a survivor because I do a lot more than hang on by teeth and toenails. A cancer dancer finds out how graceful they can be under pressure, avoids getting their toes stepped on, and gets off the dance floor in one piece. So there I was, you know, since I was 11, I had a Dolly Parton figure, literally. And when I had my third bout of breast cancer, which was a second primary, took me back to zero, they said, look, um, three strikes are out. We're taking the rack. We're also taking your ovaries so we can cut your estrogen. And you're going to go from a Dolly Parton figure to a fat fire plug in three weeks <laughs> and have severe side effects. And there's nothing you're going to be allowed to do because after all, you have cancer. So you're not allowed anything. Suck it up. Now, I went home for 24 hours and cried. Who wouldn't? But then yeah, I used what I learned at a place called the Option Institute in Massachusetts. And that is where's your happy. And I had to find three reasons to be okay with what was happening. I didn't care how stupid they sounded. So I said, okay, number one, you don't have them. You can't get cancer there. That's a good thing. Number two, they're not going to get slammed in the refrigerator door at the doctor's every year. And every woman listening knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. with that. And three, implants means I'm going to be perky till I'm 93. I can deal. As a result, <laughs> I would out of mass general hospital in three days and chopped for a bathing suit in five. They hadn't seen anybody recovered that fast from a double mastectomy and reconstruction in 15 years. And that was in 2004 and I'm still here clean. So yeah. think of no, it. It's so true because you do, you have to, my husband um, also had cancer. Unfortunately, his, his cancer da dance, you know, ended uh, differently. Mm -hmm. But you absolutely have to look at those positive things and what you can, rather than what you're giving up, what you're going to get instead, because yes. that does allow you to go through the dance and enjoy the dance. Mm -hmm. the, the way to look at it, the allegory is the situation. You are in a situation. It's like you have a piece of beef. It will always be a piece of cow. I always was going to go through the cancer dance. But going back to the cow, whether you want to eat steak tartare or make Korean bulgogi, or serve beef on kut is going to dictate how you handle the piece of beef, what you use to transform it, and how it will be served to the world. How I handled it at 50 may have been different than when I was 20 or when yes. I would have been 70. But right then, right in the present moment, well, I'm not going to get out of this. So my two questions are always, how can I handle it? What can I learn from it so I can teach with it? But I'm a teacher by nature. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's an incredible story and it, I think it's a really moving story that a lot of people will relate to um, I mean I don't know anyone who doesn't know someone who's you know had the, the cancer dance and yeah. has gone through major major changes like that so in, in your book you talk about designing your own toolbox um, can you describe more about that and what that means sure everyone's toolbox will be unique to their own life and experience. My life has been one change after another. As you said, three bouts of breast cancer, two divorces, poverty, abuse, you name it, since my 20s. So in my toolbox, I have flexibility, adaptability, 
and the ability to turn on a dime and think in the moment. However, I have no tools regarding how to raise children because I knew at 13, I did not want them. So I've never had any. Those tools weren't necessary to learn. So I put my attention on things that would help me navigate my life as I had chosen it to be. Your toolbox is going to be full of the skills and the ideas and the understandings you've learned throughout your life that are going to help you make sense out of any situation and make the best out of what's in front of you and change what must be changed. Any single mom in this pandemic is going to, after this is over, have tools in her toolbox about making the best of a bad situation, how to juggle 72,000 things and a teaspoon, um, how to make money stretch, how to you know calm her child's fears, because she went into a different hardware store. So she will have different tools. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's because that's something that that you're having to cope with now. You're having to learn how to, to your point, utilize that flexibility, the adaptability. I call it like the the COVID wrap of also problem solving. So I call it resilience, um, and then the agility, and then problem solving because you have to gain those skills, and they are they're going to be forever imprinted. And how you view future challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you will teach it to your children in that case. So they have it. So they inherit some of their tools. Right, right. And just like with, you know, the cancer dance that we went through, you know, my daughter was able to learn things from that, at, you know, because she was, you know, senior in high school and then, you know, starting college when we were going through that. Yes. And that's something that she's going to have in her toolkit for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. So you talk about um, gaining these tools, these skills through different experiences that you go through. Mm -hmm. What if you want to gain one of those skills or add one of those tools um, purposefully, like maybe before you encounter one of these situations? Do you have advice for that? Absolutely. Talk to people that have gone through it. Talk to mentors. Now, it's I cannot stress enough. There is a massive difference between mentors and gurus. Mentors will push you a little further than you think you can go, kick you out of the nest a little before you think you're ready, and then sit in the audience and applaud you for becoming better at what they do than they are. The example I use is Meryl Streep getting an Oscar and thanking her drama professors at Yale. They were mentors. Gurus are the ones that say, well, this is everything that I've done and you haven't yet, but I'm going to tell you everything and buy this book. And by the way, go on a cruise with me where I'm going to tell you the same thing because I am so amazing. <laughs> oh, please. I vomit now. Uh-uh. You, you want to turn away from gurus because they're the ones who want to take your free will and put it in their pocket. And you don't need that. There are the rare, rare, rare people who are true gurus like Paramahansa Yogananda, who earned the title legitimately. But the other people of the moment, careful. Be very, very careful. Because if you keep trying to measure yourself against somebody else and say, you have to be exactly like them, they have the right toolbox, you don't, that's the danger signal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there, there's an article on my website about salute the hat, not the hat rack. The idea is very briefly, you can love an idea. That's the hat. And the idea can be moved from person to person. And maybe it changes a little bit from time to time. The hat rack is the originator of the idea. But good ideas get passed on. They are not the property of one single person. Look at Doreen Virtue. She, you know, she was the angel queen of the world until she decided to become born again and then told everybody, oh, everything you bought and everything I taught you for so many years, that's now evil and you're damned if you play with that. But look, you can buy my Jesus deck now. That's a good <laughs> rule. Yeah, wrong answer. Yeah, uh, come drink my Kool-Aid. <laughs> Thank you. What a good line. I may borrow that. <laughs> Perfect. It is. It is. It's. Uh, it's because I think it. What it does. It's actually. Um, you're making a choice to give up your free will in a way. Um, and it's yes. so important that we remember that we we all have that power of choice and and to make a new decision, to make a new uh, path, to find our own way. Um, so it's so important. So I, you know, this has been really, this is really a great conversation, Corby. Um, you know, when people are trying to clean out their life closet, what are your top tips on what they need to do? Be unafraid. You cannot get it wrong. You're the only one who knows what stops you and what you've outgrown and what you've been trying to live up to that was never you in the first place. Treat those things like the dress from 1992 that doesn't fit anymore and boy, it's not in style. Throw them out like the leggings from the 1980s and ditch them like the scrapbooks of the time you can't even remember and probably don't want to. Get them out, get them out, get them out. Everything is on the table because all you're throwing away is what isn't you anymore. If you claim it, you can have it, but make sure it is useful. Um, simple example is if you're someone who always feels like everybody else has to come first to people like that, I say, I want to give you a magic mantra. No is a fabulous idea. <laughs> and just because you've always been the one that everybody could dump things on and always took the last piece of cake and always said, well, it's okay. She didn't mean to hurt me. You can stop now. You can change in an instant. So yeah, that's it. No, it's so important. I think we have a piece that we, we already have on our side about, you know, the power of saying no and how important it is um, that you're, you recognize that and you, you sort of stop yourself. I mean, sort of the classic is, you know, I remember way back in the day saying, Oh, well, you should swing by sometime and you, know, you should come and visit me or whatever. Right. And then, you know, <laughs> and you're just saying it and uh, to catch yourself and, you know, going like, okay, I really don't want to have this person come and stay with me and visit with me. <laughs> that's a, sounds a, a silly thing, but that's the first thing that came to my mind. Well, you know, a lot a lot of women come to me and it's like, I'm so tired and I don't know what I want. And I, I don't know what I want and I don't know how to say no are the two major things that the majority of women who talk to me have to deal with. 
Yeah. And yeah. I give no, it. I mean, it, it, there's just so much power in, in being able to say no. And you can say no with kindness and caring and gracefully, you know, <laughs> so you it can. doesn't have to change, you know, in the sense of who you are, but, but you, you, you absolutely need to be able to uh, put that frame around it uh, for yourself. Yes, you do. Yeah. And, and I really like what you had to say, Corby, about fear, because um, as soon as you acknowledge your fear and you look it in the eye, um, it, you take away some of its power and that you're giving that power back to yourself. And, and, and that the, the number one thing about fear is, uh, you know, that I've found that to be true is to, to really like, what am I the most afraid of? And then just looking it square in the face. And, exactly. you know, I'm going to go back to like my husband and the, you know, his diagnosis with terminal cancer. It was like, I, I knew I had to look that in the face. And I also had a, I had a two week pity party, not just a single day pity party, but I just said, you know, I had a life before and I will have a life afterwards. So I had to look at that fear and say, this is a normal process of life. People live, they die. I mean, it's, you know, horrible way to die, but it's, it, it was, you know, that taking, I took all the power that fear had and, and just let it wash away and said, okay, now what can I do and make the best of this, you know, to your point. And that's, mm -hmm. that fear is the most important thing that you need to look it in the eye and just you know, and go through that, go through that exercise. And when you do that, you're taking away its power. And instead, you're giving the power back to yourself. Yes. There's a video that I made recently about the pandemic on my YouTube channel, where I talk about fear versus fame. Fear equals false evidence appearing real. And I can't take credit for that. I learned that from Mary Kay Cosmetics in the 1980s. <laughs> but I, I added Full acceptance means everything. You want to be fearful or famous. And I used that uh, on YouTube to help people thread their way through the pandemic and come out sanely on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's uh, that's another thing of just, you know, sort of feeling helpless there. Um, early on in March, um, I started making face masks. And by taking action, um, I once again, it's just like I can do something. And it's not like a huge thing. It's not like I'm a doctor and able to, you know, be working on something, but I can do something that helps myself, my family, my friends. And it, once again, it just helped me give power back to myself. Mm -hmm. And also look at your life and see what the universe did to prep you for the moment. Uh, two years ago, my nickname was the Travel Channel because I was on the road 36, 46 weekends a year. <laughs> but over the past two years, um, promoters have quit. Shows have closed down. They weren't worth going to anymore because they kind of petered out. And I was panicking a little bit. That had been what I did for years and years and years. What kind of a career would I have? Well, right. I did morph to online so that in March when we all went into lockdown, it wasn't even a hiccup for me. And I saw what the universe had done over the past two years and said, thank you. I yeah. would not have thought to make this change. You did it for me. The universe doesn't do Grisha's. Do you, do you know what a Grisha is? 
No, no, no. Word. When you do a grizzly, you stick in the knife in the ribs and you twist it a little to make sure it's in there. Oh. The universe does not do that. The universe wants the best for us. And if it sees ahead and has to give us what looks like a problem, see if you can find out what good is coming from it, because there will generally always be something. Yeah. Big or small. Yeah. I like that. I like like turning the problem on its head and seeing the positivity in it. I think that's a really good way to um, look at things and to live your life. But it doesn't mean don't get angry. It doesn't mean you cannot mourn. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I mean, that was a pretty amazing rack for years. And now I'm not that shape anymore. But my life has changed for the better without them. Yeah, didn't know that at the time, but looking back, I can. So it's okay. It's so important, people. We're not saying think happy thoughts. Your angels. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's you need a damned insulin shot. Sometimes life right. sucks, and it's hard, and it hurts. But after you're done screaming and yelling and beating your fist against the wall, stop while you're panting and say, "I have to find one good thing. One yeah. good thing." And yeah. that'll put you back on a steady road. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. And you're in that pity party. You've got to find that mm -hmm. so you can, you know, end, end the pity party and uh, uh, move forward. Yes. But sometimes you absolutely, you absolutely need to have that pity party to acknowledge those feelings and um, to be able to, uh, you know, it, it's part of the process. Very much so. Yes. Wow. Oh, this has been such a great discussion. Corby, thank you so much for sharing your insights. I, I really feel we got a lot out of this on self-healing and writing your own story of change. And so many of our listeners are going to be inspired by your wisdom and what we've talked about today. Can you uh, share with our listeners how and where they can find out more about you? Well, I'm kind of unavoidable. <laughs> I'm all over the place. <laughs> First, you can go to my website, which is corbymidlight.com. Uh, that's got links to all three of my books. It's got articles. It's got how to have sessions with me, the whole nine yards. You can follow me on Facebook at Fire Through Spirit. You can find me on Twitter and Pinterest and Instagram, all at Corby Mitlide. And on YouTube, you can look for the Corby Mitlide channel where there are guided meditations and videos on all kinds of subjects. And we're always populating it with more. That's perfect. That's wonderful. And we'll be sure to include all of those links uh, for everyone in our show notes. And uh, Corby, again, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been a, a wonderful, wonderful discussion. And for everyone out there in our audience, if you have ideas um, or comments, please uh, share them with us. And we love hearing your thoughts. It's so important. And if you have a question or would like to suggest a topic for discussion, you can email us at jointheconversation at petitequeen.com. And to stay current on all of our insightful advice and uh, the breakthrough advantages that we provide, you can sign up for our weekly Wisdoms newsletter and you will not miss out. So thank you, Corby. Thank you, Amanda. And to everyone out there, thank you for listening.